you will renew our strength, God. We thank you for it. We thank you for your presence here tonight, Lord. Your sweet presence. You know, when he said, when Ty said to reminisce, we reminisce. I just saw it as like a flashback of your life. You know how a movie, you would see like flashes of sections of your life. And I was like, Lord, I don't want to look at that because there's some hard things in there too, you know. Sorry. (laughs) But it's like, the piano, I don't know how to describe it, but the piano was like a, he was leaping and dancing through your life, like dancing through your life, even if it had tears in it. The song previous said that he uh, collects every tear. And so he was there in every moment. And it's kind of a bittersweet thing. You know, life, life is, and we just have to, Reminisce with him and go back in joy and, and in his presence. And that's what I'm teaching on tonight, guys, is the joy of the Lord. But first we're going to receive our offering. So if I have any ushers in the house, can you come forward? <laughs> and we will receive it tonight. You got a bowl? We can do a bowl. <laughs> She's got a bowl. Tupperware bowl is fine. We'll use it. <laughs> you got a hat? All right. We got a hat and a bowl. We're good. <laughs> yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive this offering, God. We, we receive it into your house, Lord. We thank you that you see every might. You see everything, and, and you bless it. Bless the giver, Lord, and the gift in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Okay, so it is my privilege to bring you the word tonight. (laughs) I am a teacher, not a preacher, as me and Skip were kind of trying to figure out. He said, what are you going to preach? I'm like, well, I'm a teacher, so I don't know about the preaching bit, but (laughs) I got 16 verses, and that seems like a lot, but... (laughs) No, Judy hopefully got me all set up back there. All right. So, um, yeah, the the songs tonight just flow right in with what I wanted to bring tonight. Um, God's been dealing with me about the fruit of the Spirit of joy. And if you knew me in the past, you would not say that I was very joyful. I grew up in a home that depression kind of lingered over like a cloud, and I didn't know why. I just grew up in it. So as I've known the Lord, as I've gotten to know Him and help along the way, God always puts people in our lives. I would say my husband is probably the most important gift God's ever given me to show me there is a different way to think and live. (laughs) And he wouldn't budge. I'd say, come to my pity party, and he'd be like, no. <laughs> be like, why not? Why not? We're going to have a pity party. Let's get down and, you know, no, no, we don't do that. So God's given me that. God's given me a great pastor. Um, if I would describe Pastor Mike in one word, 
it'd be joy. <laughs> so that is a perfect example. If you're looking for somebody, just look at him. And he's got some amazing energy, doesn't he? Yes. So if you look at his pictures from their trip, hanging out of a tree like a monkey. I mean, come on. <laughs> who's, who's pastors doing that? Ours. Hanging with Jesus. <laughs> no, but I like to laugh. That is one, one good thing. Um, so let's just pray and we'll get into the word. I really feel like God's going to do some things in you today with the word of God. His word always changes us, no matter what. So, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that it is uh, the life that we need, Lord, that it changes our lives, Lord, that it's you, Jesus, that you change our lives tonight. God, I'm expecting, I'm expectant, Lord. We're expecting a harvest of joy, Lord. We're expecting that courage that we sang about and that we saw, Lord, that courage to step into the field and harvest, God, the things you have for us to do. We step into the spirit of goodness, the fruit of the spirit of goodness that we sing about, Lord. We want to be good just like you, Lord, and we want that joy. So, Lord, we thank you for the word tonight. Amen. All right, so my first scripture is John 15. We're just going to, bam, get it going. Now, I don't have points. I don't have the one, two, three, A, B, C. Go figure. But I, do te- <laughs> but I do teach. Maybe later I'll give you some points. And another, another thing. John 15, verse 11. It's Jesus speaking to us here. And I liked the Amplified, so I gave you the Amplified version. This is my only Amplified one. But it says, um, well, I started in verse 10. I'm going to cheat. It says, if you keep my commandments and obey my teaching, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy and delight may be in you, that your joy may be full and complete and overflowing. Full and complete and overflowing. Do you feel like you're there? Do you feel like you're there right now? Whoa, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, God. (laughs) So we're not all there. We're not there yet, right? But that's his desire for us. That's his desire is for us to have joy, my joy. You think uh, Jesus is joyful? I mean, If we see Pastor Mike hanging off the tree, I feel like Jesus is hanging next to him. I see him in the picture, like hanging with him, hanging with Jesus. I'm going to make him a shirt. No. Marsha, where are you? Shirt lady. No. Um, My joy. Jesus has joy. Like I said, I saw him skipping through my life in every step, even the ones I thought were cringy. He was, he was dancing through those. Don't know. My joy and delight, he wants it in us. And this is the scriptures he's talking about, the vine and the branches, us being in the vine, being connected, totally connected with him. 
And then that joy can overflow. Mm -hmm. All of those fruits are in you. Did you know that? You have joy. You have joy. You have joy. Yes, you do. (laughs) Down in my heart. Down in my... Okay. We had to do it, right? You have joy because you have Jesus. You have all of the fruit of the Spirit when you get Jesus. So where is it? It might be overflowing. It might be pushed way down deep and deep in the... What is it? Got the love of my... Da, 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 way down in the depths of my heart. <laughs> we used to sing it like that. We had some crazy one. Way down in the depths of my heart. It's like, where is it? So deep that I can't tell where it is. Um, but you have it. So every fruit is there. So it's interesting. I was thinking about who wrote this book. John. John wrote this book. And I was trying to describe how you have joy already. And I thought of the scripture where it talks about Elizabeth being with child and Mary comes to visit her. And Elizabeth's pregnant this, by this time with John. And John here overhears Mary coming <laughs> in the womb. He's like, when, when's, he, when's he coming? It said he had the Spirit of God on him, in him, in the womb. He had the Spirit in him. And when he heard the voice of Mary, he leapt for joy. He leapt for joy, and Elizabeth started prophesying. (laughs) It's like, maybe she didn't have the Spirit, but he did. He was in her, and poop, she started prophesying. Blessed are you among women. You know, just um, the joy of seeing the chosen one, the anointed one. So he leapt for joy. Um, I want to read a scripture out of John, John verse 329, chapter 329. And this is when John, when Jesus started baptizing, and John, some people came and said, this other guy, he's baptizing, what do we do? You know, you're the baptizer, he's taking your job. (laughs) And John said, He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, that's John, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So now it's Jesus' voice. Well, he's he's hearing Jesus' voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. So John describes seeing Jesus in the flesh as my joy is fulfilled. It is perfected, and Jesus wants that. He wants it full, and in that scripture, the one about um, he wants it overflowing to the full. Full means perfected. He wants to perfect all of the fruits of his spirit in you. So that's a work he's doing. It's a work. Your spirit is like John's. It has a purity of every fruit, but you must yield to it. We must yield to it. You know, like in worship tonight, we were yielding to his presence. The more you yield to his presence, 
the more joy because it says the, there's fullness of joy in the presence of God. It says that in your presence is fullness of joy. So you can receive his joy by worship, just being in his presence. I was thinking about, in worship, I was thinking about um, heaven. And I was thinking about how there are no tears in heaven, you know, all the things we think about. Um, there is no night in heaven. There's no reason to go to sleep. And I'm like, man, why aren't we going to be tired? Why aren't we going to want to, you know, like, I need to go watch my shows, Lord, just for a little while just to check out. Um, no, because... <laughs> The joy of the Lord is in the place, His presence. What does joy do? I put his, your strength comes from joy. There's many, many scriptures about joy and strength, joy and strength, joy and strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So in heaven, I was just thinking about this just now, and God dropped it on me. The reason why we don't need night or sleep or tears is because there's fullness of joy and it gives us strength. We're going to be totally spirit up there, <laughs> totally full of joy. So we will have no, no issues. Thank you, Lord. That'll give you joy right there, thinking about that. Thinking about heaven does give you joy. I mean, not that we want to check out early, but... It says in the Bible that thinking on heaven actually purifies you, that it purifies your thoughts because it, it gives you that joy. So that scripture, um, the joy of the Lord is our strength, I was curious, I, I knew it was Nehemiah, but I was curious why it was in the book of Nehemiah. I'm like, Meh. Old Testament, you know. Why would that be in the Old Testament? Um, and I got super curious, y'all. I guess it was the Lord because I'm not usually that curious about the Old Testament. But I got super curious, wanted to know everything that happened in Nehemiah, which starts in Ezra. If you don't know, the Ezra and Nehemiah were one book. And for some reason, we split them up into two different things, but they're, they're really one book. So I used the story of um, coming back from Babylon and reestablishing the temple and the wall and all of that for a, for a metaphor for us and our life. So we're just going to kind of unpack that a little bit. I'm going to try not to go too crazy on you um, about it, but Let's go to Psalm 126. So the exiles that were in Babylon, they, they come back to Zion. Psalm 126. I guess I want to turn to this one. I have them all on this, but I want to turn in my Bible. I'm used to my Bible. And I love this psalm. It says, A joyful return to Zion. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. 
Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we were glad. So I took this as we are living in that dream. Because of salvation, we've come back from exile. We come, we come back from Babylon, the world system, and we've been born again. So in Isaiah, I liked this scripture to talk about salvation. Isaiah 12, verses 2 and 3, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become, he also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy will you draw waters from the well of salvation. You see how that goes with it? Joy. Joy of our salvation. So they come back. There's work to do. So Ezra was the priest in the time, and he had a heart for building the temple back up. The temple had been destroyed that Solomon had built for the Lord, and they come in, and he's in charge of building the temple back up. There's work to be done even when they are free. So picture people being set free from captivity, coming back, and you got to start working. It's almost like this hurricane comes in, and your house is destroyed. You got to come back. You're free, but you got to come back to to rebuild, (laughs) right? So there's work to be done, even when we are free. So you're free, you're free indeed, but it's that process we have to come in. The foundation of the temple, I don't think I'm going to go into that, but when the foundation in Ezra, it says the foundation was finally done, and that's just the foundation, y'all, that's that's not any sticks or any mortar or anything yet, and they stopped and celebrated All the Levites came, all the worshipers came, all of the priests came, and they praised the Lord because the foundation is set. It's kind of like us. Thank you, Lord, for the foundations, the love of God, the salvation. You died on the cross, Lord. I'm saved. I'm free forever. And then the wall. The next step was in Nehemiah, and I really got into Nehemiah's story because I could see all the things that Nehemiah had in his leadership all throughout the book. Because I know some of us are in leadership school, and for some reason that really, you know, I thought of that a lot, of his leadership. He was a governor um, in the time of Artaxerxes, I think it was, and... um, he was allowed to go. He was actually the cupbearer for the king. And if you know the story, he, you were not supposed to show any emotion in front of the king. It's supposed to be very staid and put together. And you taste the, the cup before the king, so if it's poisoned, he, the king doesn't get poisoned. And the king asked him, why are you so... He was trying to hide it, but he just couldn't hide it. He was so sorry that the walls of Jerusalem were in ruins. The gates were burned. 
and the walls were in rubble. And he had such a heart to rebuild the walls. Um, and the king actually had mercy on him and said, go and do, do this project. I'm giving you my blessing. It's almost like Esther when she asked the king. You know, he, he had supernatural favor with the king. So he goes and builds the wall. Let's go to Nehemiah 4. Verse 6, it says, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to, its, up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. I like that statement, the people had a mind to work. So this is one of the things I saw about Nehemiah, was that he organized the people. And they had so much joy, I believe. They were so, so joyous to come home that you're energized for your work, you know, you're like, I'm going to get this place, you know, I, I attribute it to like, we're building a house, and I'm very excited about certain parts of this building, like, I got to get the toilets, and I got to get the tile, and I got to, you know, it's exciting having to get a toilet, you know, <laughs> then I got to clean the toilet later, but we don't think about that, we're, we're in the moment, we have joy about the building project, and we're energized with that joy. So they had a mind to work, and they were in unity. Wow, that's a godly thing right there. So um, in Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16, it says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in, the 52, in 52 days. And it happened... When all of our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. So the thing about it was, I saw some commentary on it. It was 40 groups working for 52 days, and the wall was a mile and a half long and eight feet thick. 42, or 52 days, a mile and a half long, and eight feet thick. So it was an amazing display of unity, and it was also an amazing, almost a miracle. Well, it was a miracle. It says that our enemies around us perceived it was God because <laughs> this thing's been laid waste for 70 years. It's been, uh, you know, animals living in it. Just, you know, people, people had come back, but they hadn't built up and in unity finished the work. So, let's see. So, while they worked, there was a lot of opposition, even through Ezra's time all the way to Nehemiah's time. It just kept saying there was, um, the work was shut down at one point by King Darius because someone had come in, almost like when Daniel would pray and they tried to get him, they, people tried to get him and conspire against him. That's what happened here. Well, they put it in the king's ear, you know, they're, they're going to build up and they're going to go against you, you know, and stuff like that. So he, he stopped the work for a full year. But... 
then um, I can't remember what happened there. Something happened. <laughs> and God got it back on track, right? <laughs> so in Nehemiah's time, they went through mockery, conspiracy, threats of attack. Nehemiah was conspired against as well. They tried to get him as a leader, trying to say, you're trying to be the king. And you're, it, they put it in the ear of all the people. He's just trying to be your king, and he's trying to do this and that. And he's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, so just how many things in our life comes to steal our joy? So as they built on the project, they're doing the work of God. You're doing the work of God. How many things during a day come to steal your joy? <laughs> yeah, if we're honest, it can be a lot. And these are just the external things, you know. I'm working on my driving, my, my patience level with driving. <laughs> I'm working on a lot of things. <laughs> but do you know the enemy knows the buttons that he can push? Like, let's see, uh, wake up late, oop, the do 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 you know. <laughs> Just get this ball rolling. Oh, and it's a Sunday. All right, let's get this over here. <laughs> no, sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it is your thinking. We have to renew our minds to overcome these things, these attacks from, from outside. We have to learn what our trigger spots are, and then we have to learn to not take the bait. Don't take the bait, Amanda. Don't take the bait. Don't take the... I've gotten really good on Sundays. So I'm like, I got too much to do on Sundays. I can't take no bait today. <laughs> Don't take no bait today. Uh, and I, I feel myself going down. I'm like, uh-uh. No, we're pulling out of this spiral. We're, go, we're going up. <laughs> Last week, I'll just tell you all this. It's been a long time since I have actually felt like I don't want to come. That's been a long time, especially being here at this church. It's probably been over five years when I've just really thought I don't want to come because I didn't sleep good. There's one. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Kids were being ornery um, <laughs> with this new schedule we got. <laughs> Um, just a myriad of things. I felt really weak because I didn't sleep good. Um, some other personal things were going on. And um, I just really had to say, Lord, in my weakness, and this is what Paul knew very well, in my weakness, you are made strong. Therefore, I can glory in my weakness because you'll make up the difference. If I got, if I'm running on fumes, that means you got a lot that you got to do, Lord. <laughs> you don't depend on yourself at all when you don't have any strength, right? So, yes, and Sunday, I came out of here. Yeah, I came out of here flying because of the joy of the Lord. I mean, we're in process up here where we, we have to worship, but 
it's a joy because you're forced to enter enter in all the time. Yes. You know? So anyway, where was I? So learn not to take the bait. And I, I had this proverb come up in my mind. Proverbs verse 15, uh, chapter 15, 23. It says, a man or a woman has joy by the answer of his or her mouth. I just want to take the first part. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. So a lot of times... Your joy is connected to what comes out of here. And that's one thing that I have done over the years uh, with especially Sundays, but I've gotten a handle of if you can't say anything good, don't say it at all. But this is the positive of it. If you can speak joy, you create that in your car on the way to church. You create it. And so that's a positive force, right? Strengthens you, but it also strengthens everybody in your company. Okay, I gotta get going. I'm talking too much. So those are the external things. So there were also internal struggles with rebuilding the temple and the wall. There were some people that were already living there. There were um, a lot of habits and cultural things that they had brought, of course, from Babylon. A lot of them had intermarried with the, the women of, you know, other tribes and, of course, went into idol worship. So there were a lot of things that they were dealing with, not just rebuilding the, the city um, and becoming a nation again. The internal battles can be the toughest. Let's see. I have Nehemiah 8. Do you have Nehemiah 8? Where did Nehemiah 8 go? Oh, there it is. Ah, there it is. 2 and 3. It says, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly. So this is after they had rebuilt the walls. So now they're going to read the law before the assembly of men and women and all, could, all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read it from the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So here they go. They're going to delve into what are the things that we don't know about God that we've left and some of them their generations don't even know. So this is the first reading of it. And then in uh, Nehemiah, it also talks about this same account. In 9 and 10, it says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So they actually heard God's word and they wept because they were not doing the things the word said. Then he said to them, this is where Nehemiah says it, Go your way, eat 
the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our God. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So this is kind of odd. You picture all these people weeping and repenting, and then Nehemiah's like, don't, don't sorrow, don't grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So I picture it as he knew that they needed to repent, but if, if they slipped down into despair, they would be overcome by their enemies. So this really spoke to me about your internal things that you know you need to change, right? You know you've got these things. But if you despair, you never can overcome them. You've got to have the joy of the Lord. You've got to know his presence. You've got to know his peace and his, um, his character. You've got to have him in that battle. You can't do it in your own strength. Even the things within. Even if you want to. You're not the one to do it. <clears throat> he is. So they were faced with their sin, how wrong they had been, and unsure how to fix it. So I thought this was interesting. Ezra, his name mean the, means the Lord helps. And Nehemiah means Yahweh comforts. So right here, during this process... The Lord helps, and the Lord Yahweh comforts. So I loved Nehemiah's name. The Lord, or Yahweh comforts. It says in verse, I'm going to go on a little bit more. It says, after the joy of the Lord is your strength, it says, so the Levites quieted all the people, saying, be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, Send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. So they did have joy that they finally understood God's ways. And they have a lot of work to do. Have you I call it I call it dread. When you see ahead, and I've really struggled with this, y'all. Dread is when you see there's so much you've got to do. And you go over it in your mind over and over and over. I've got to do this and this and this and ha, 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 And then when you finally get to the thing, you're worn out. You've worn yourself slap out because <laughs> in your mind you have gone over it and over it. And now you're like, I don't even want to do it. I mean, it could be something good. It could be vacation, or it could be, you know, lining up the flights and the tickets and the money and the this and then that. And, and then you get to it, and you're like, all right, this, this is what I went over in my mind so many times that the joy has been killed. So we're working on that too. God showed me a long time ago that if I would just sing praise to him, like I would be on my way in the morning to drop off the kids at school. And I'd be kind of, you know, thinking, oh, I've got to get in that car line, and, you know, I've got to deal with trying to get up there. I mean, these are little things, but I had a 
rut of dread in all of these things, trying to prepare myself and be responsible when I got there. But all it did was make it horrible. So he told me, put on your music and sing. Put on your music and sing. And that singing has always been an override switch for me to turn off the dread. It's like, you know, they say when they study people's brains when they pray in the Spirit, uh, and it's like a different map of where the electron, I don't know. I don't know if y'all have ever, I see people nodding, so <laughs> you'll understand what I'm saying. <laughs> it overrides your normal habits of thought if you would sing. And really, it doesn't really matter if it's God, you know, worship music or something else. Sometimes I sing silly stuff. You know, I, I cook and sing, and people get tired of hearing me sing when I'm cooking. And it could be something over here and something over there. It could be all these different things. But I don't really like to cook. That's not, so I sing. <laughs> so I sing while I cook, and it makes it better. So you need that override. You need to... Um, to be able to come higher in your thinking. Um, so notice what their first step was. Um, and the next thing they went to was they sent portions to people, they ate and drank. They actually started the Feast of Tabernacles right then. And that was a time of they would make booths outside and, and look at the stars and they would remember Abraham and the covenant of God, they would put their, literally put themselves under the stars to see every year what God had done. Like, why are we in this booth again? Oh yeah, God has made us like the stars of the, of the sky and the sand on the seashore. We are his, you know? Sometimes you literally got to put yourself in those places to remember so God wanted that to be their first thing to do, was to come with him and unblock the wells. Unstop the wells is the main thing I want you to leave here with. God's saying, unstop the wells. Do you know in the Israelites' time, the enemies would come, and that's one of the first things they would do to overcome the Israelites, and everyone would do it to each other, but they would put, throw stones in their wells so much so that it would block it up to where they couldn't get the water out. And when you shut off somebody's water supply, that's, that's your number one thing you need as a human is <laughs> water. So you're discouraged. You, you break up in confusion, and you're try, just trying to get your needs met. So look at yourself tonight as a well. You have Jesus. You have the water. You have the water of joy way down in the depths of your heart. But is something blocking it? Is something blocking your joy? So the enemy throws stones in our well. And these are some of them. Condemnation and guilt. That was a big one for me. That, we could have stopped right there. 
in my life. Condemnation and guilt were the main things that I dealt with. And this is what the children of Israel were kind of wrestling with right here. They didn't know God's word. And then all of a sudden, we need to be doing this. Oh, my gosh. How are we ever going to do all this stuff? And condemnation could have set in. Guilt. Um, unforgiveness. Injustice. Feeling like you're, you're being, you know, people are taking from you. Inadequacy and fear. Jealousy and envy and worry and dread. So ask God what is blocking your joy. Ask him to help and comfort. Remember Ezra and Nehemiah. The Lord helps and Yahweh comforts. Ask God to help you and comfort you and to help unstop the well. So we must have hope. I see that as a picture of, that's in the bottom of the well. That's the thing that gives the waters, the hope of the Lord, to know what he's told you. And that releases the joy. Hope is an aggressive expectation of good happening at any moment. So if dread is the opposite, dread is expecting something Evil to happen. When I get in that line, somebody's going to do this, or na 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 na. This could happen, or this could happen, or this, you know, trying to protect yourself all the time. That was, that was me. Um, do you dread or feel hopeless in a certain area? So, hopelessness, we have to get rid of hopelessness because the source is hope. We have to have all of our hope in line, and that releases our joy. Jesus is our model. Let's go to Hebrews 12. I'm almost done, y'all. Oops, I'm over time, y'all. <laughs> it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight almost like pull out every stone, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus has that joy set before him. And I, I studied the word enduring. Well, let's not go there just yet. <laughs> joy gives us strength to endure, just like Jesus. How did he go through such grueling, a grueling death? And he didn't dread it. He didn't work it up in his mind to be... Uh, to where he was overcome, but he overcame it. He overcame death. He knew the death that he would die, right? He struggled in the garden, but he didn't stay there. He endured. There's a scripture that says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. 
and I looked up the word endure, it literally means to lodge as a guest. So weeping may lodge as a guest in your house for a night, but then it has to go. So I thought that was really insightful. I was like, God, that's a good word. It can lodge as a guest because we do live in a world that has, you know, things we have to endure. You may endure persecution for a night. It may lodge as a guest, but then it has to go. Jesus had to endure a cross, and he knew it was a guest, and it had to go, right? So I'll leave you with one scripture. We'll go back to Psalm 126. It says, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So if you have to endure, you're, you're bring, you're, he's bringing you back and you'll reap in joy. In joy. That's what Jesus did forevermore. <laughs> And we share in that joy. So I just pray, God, let the fountains flow. Let those streams flow again, Lord. Let the streams in our life flow. Let joy flow. Lord, like the song says, spring up, O well, within my soul. Spring up, O well, and make me whole. Spring up a well and give to me that life abundantly. Lord, we want to be strong in this day, Lord. We want to be humble. We want to give you our yes. And we don't fear and dread weakness, Lord. We step out in faith. We step out with, a, with your hope. And we say, Lord, let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Amen. In Jesus' name, we love you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> Yay. Y'all be blessed. <laughs> Thank you for listening today. May you as a son or daughter of the Father know the true love of Jesus Christ and understand your true identity as a royal member of his family. If you live in Polk, San Jacinto, or Trinity County in Texas, consider joining us live at 8125 U.S. Highway 190 West in Livingston. We have services Sunday at 10 a.m., Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Like us on Facebook, and if you would like to partner with us, check us out online at cotl.live.